0: Hey, you want to see something really scary? What is your favorite scary movie? I'm going to scare the hell out of you. What was living behind that boy's eyes was purely and simply evil. They're coming to get you, Barbara.
1: When there's no more room in hell, the dead will walk here. What's blood for, if not for shedding? Welcome to Fright Night.
0: Welcome back to Jump Scare, I'm Betty. And I'm Chad. This week we're covering 1983's The Dead Zone.
1: You've been in a coma, Johnny. For how long?
0: Five years.
1: The house is burning. Your daughter's
0: in the house it's not too late you're the talk of the town because
1: i got my head bashed in and i'm still here to talk about it
0: because you have the power of second sight
1: i don't know whether it's true or not these psychic powers of yours no, i'm at my wit's end john i could use your help it has to do with these murders we've been having the castle rock killer i saw
0: his face Greg Stilson, he's dangerous. If you could go back in time before Hitler came to power, knowing what you know now, would you kill him?
1: I would kill him.
0: You'd never get away
1: alive. It doesn't matter. I'm not crazy, you know. Those headaches are getting worse, aren't they? As the visions grow stronger and more powerful, so the body weakens. God has seen fit to bless you with this gift. You should use it. Bless me. Not only can you see
0: the future, I can change it. So we're continuing our Stephen King month. What what is the uh, name of the month? King Tober. King Tober. King Tober. <laughs> that sounds like a
1: character from a uh, fairy tale. And then Old King Toba came in.
0: (laughs) Now, this film was directed by David Cronenberg. You may or may not have heard of him. And this has got to be probably the most normal,
1: other than that movie about the race cars that he did early on in his career, which, by the way, apparently he just loves race cars, so he did a movie about racing. Um, This is probably the most normal, straightforward movie he's ever done.
0: It definitely is. Definitely. There's, there's no body
1: horror. Yeah, there's very the only body horror yeah. in this is the his uh you know, him being in the coma. Yeah. But other than that, there's really not much, you know, there was no squishy stuff coming out of people's bodies. No one turns into anything. There's no, you know, little children in hoodies trying to kill you, that sort of thing.
0: It's not your basic Cronenberg. Yeah, it's just different than his
1: normal thing.
0: The um this movie's based on the nineteen seventy nine novel from yeah. Mr. Oh, King, King, Mr. Kingtober.
1: <laughs> yeah. And this screenplay was done by uh, Jeffrey Bohm, who has done quite a few things uh, over the years that you may or may not have heard of, but if you're listening to this, you've probably heard of everything that he's ever done, because this man was also responsible for a few little things like uh, Inner Space, The Lost Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, uh, The Phantom, He wrote a lot of things that
0: made a lot of money. So basically, like, a big chunk of movies that I love. Yes. Especially, I love Inner Space. I could watch that on loop. He was also the creator of the, uh, or
1: one of the creators of the uh, Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. TV show that came out in the early 90s. Which, of course, you know, only lasted one season. But there was a little-known show that came on after it called The X-Files that seemed to do pretty well. So, I think it got a nice lead-in from Briscoe County is what I've
0: always said. Wow. So, you literally just took this back to The X-Files. Yes. You, like, traced it back. Well, Stephen King did do an X-Files episode. I can't with you.
1: He did. one about an evil doll in Maine. Who would have thought?
0: What? Uh, That's just so unlike him. In Maine, of all places? Yeah. So the film stars a young Christopher Walken. And I will say this is my first time viewing the film because young Christopher Walken freaks me out. Um, when I see him, I automatically think about another movie that I've never seen. But I've seen some scenes and just maybe like still, well, definitely stills from the film. And it's that, um, communion. the prophecy or oh, Communion. I always yeah. say of The Prophecy. Well, The Prophecy is the one where he plays the Archangel, but... Uh, I yeah. don't like that movie either. Any movie where he's just... I, I just can't handle it. I can't ha- I'm, like, into, like, <laughs> older Christopher Walken, which you would say, like, oh, but he looks even crazier when he got older. No. There's some... I, I think because he gained a little weight because, you know, all these, a lot of these actors, they're starting out, they're struggling, they're not eating as much, you know, they're living on someone's couch, they're eating like ramen noodles. <laughs> and then, you know, like, once they start getting older, they start or end or coming into some kind of money, they're able to eat more, you know, they're eating well, and they start gaining a little weight. And I feel like when he did start gaining some weight as he got older, it kind of evened out, like... And Even I apologize, the, please. <laughs> the creepiness of his head. There's something about his head that just is just so alien to me. I don't know. I just. Well, that's why the aliens picked him in communion. Yeah. I have oh, a weird uh, thing know. about. Yes, I know it was Whitley driver, but yeah. Uh, Brooke Adams, um, who has done a plethora of things on her own. Yeah. She's done a couple of horror movies too, as I recall. I think she did one called like The Unborn or yeah, something. Yeah, she did The Unborn, yeah. yeah. Um, Tom Skerritt. I mean, do we need to... Well, we just need to highlight that The Devil's Reign, the greatest movie
1: that Tom's Carrot was ever in. Oh, I was going with Poison Ivy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. He's in a few other things like Alien or whatever, but you know, Poison Ivy and The Devil's Reign, those are his
0: (laughs) like key roles. I like you're like, oh yeah, he was in like Alien or whatever. Like, (laughs) okay, just, just, whatever. Martin Sheen. And played uh, a man who would like to be president one day. Which I feel like
1: may have planted a little seed in Martin Sheen where he was like, I should play the president one day.
0: Yeah. (laughs) You've also
1: got some other people in here, like uh, uh, his uh, doctor. I'm sorry, Christopher Walken in this is John Smith, which is the most generic character name ever, but I think that was supposed to be the point. He goes
0: by (laughs) Johnny.
1: Yeah. So Johnny's doctor is played by Herbert Lom, who, if you've ever watched the Pink Panther movies, played the boss of Inspector Clouseau, who was always having to be, you know, beat up or, you know, victimized by the Pink Panther. Or Inspector Clouseau, rather. And you've also got a guy in here that I had seen when he was older but didn't recognize. The guy who plays uh, the sheriff's deputy in there who turns out to be a serial killer is played by an actor named Nicholas Campbell. And he went on to play for like seven or eight seasons a Canadian show called Da Vinci's Inquest. It ran from like the late 90s into the mid-2000s. He went on to play the lead in that. Which, that was one of those things, like, years ago, I saw that that was on, like, heavy rotation in syndication. I was always seeing random episodes of that thing. But, yeah, so, there's a few people in it. But he was originally supposed to play Johnny Smith, right? Yeah, but they... Yeah, that was Cronenberg's choice, but the studio wanted Christopher Walken.
0: They're like, we gotta get this Christopher Walken. Yeah, which, you know, I could see
1: this guy playing the character, though. He's I don't, I can't.
0: I feel like he had to maintain like the character had to be a little off in his like (laughs) look there's something about him but i have to say this film i feel and i and i have you know the filmography like for christopher walken i haven't seen every single film that this man has made because he's made a lot he's made a shit ton but from the ones that i've seen i feel like this one he has the most heart yeah. Because you just want to give him a big old hug. So um, let's start from what the fuck the film is about. <laughs> if you haven't seen the film already, like uh, me. So Christopher Walken, uh, Johnny Smith, he's a teacher and he um, gets into a terrible car accident, which he's put into a coma and he's in a coma for five years. And when Yikes. he wakes up, Yikes is right. When he wakes up, he has some powers where he can see people, like, he can see the future. And the past. And the past, yeah. So, um, that plays into itself in the film as it unravels um, with what's going on. And, you know, this is one of those films where I like that the people actually believe because the results are right there. Like, the first thing that he does is um, he has a nurse. He's literally in bed, like, chilling, um, <laughs> recovering from, you know, being in a coma for five years. And, you know, yeah, obviously, you can't just walk out the hospital after you walk up from coma. You have to have therapy. It's like a whole transition, right? So um the nurse that's there, he, like, t- she touches him or he touches her because it has to be, like, via touch. And he sees that her daughter is actually trapped at the house is like burning down and the daughter's like trapped in her room, like alive, like as she's there working across town. Her, her, daughter her daughter's like, like yeah,
1: tells her like call the fire department, call the police. yeah, and they so she calls and manages to save the daughter. The fire department managed to get in and save her. He
0: saves the daughter's life.
1: Yeah, and then they all just kind of right away like, like you said, they believe. Which there is a character in this who shows up that in the novel, he shows up, asks Johnny some questions and, you know, gets kind of embarrassed by Johnny when he takes his hand and tells him some personal things about himself, that that character would later go on to be the main character of King's story, the Night Flyer, because he was an asshole reporter, like tabloid reporter. Mm. But they don't have have the same name in this, I don't think, but yeah, it was supposed to be the same character in the Dead Zone and the Night Flyer, because you know King. He brings everybody back around and reuses character names and events. And he's like, this guy was like, oh, this guy was interesting. Let's bring him back for a whole story.
0: Well, Tom Skerritt's character is another character that is in another... Yeah,
1: he was in uh, Cujo.
0: Cujo, yeah.
1: Which I think came he's out the a same, sheriff. Yeah, Cujo came out this, that same year or the year before this. I don't remember. There was one year that there was like three Stephen King movies. And I think this might have been
0: it. What a year. So, as a constant reader who that's who you are that yes. if you haven't if you didn't listen to our previous king tober episode um that's a stephen king fan big time um you you know when you hear the people's names and even like this one it's not the same name but you know there's a connection with this character via novel um so i i It's interesting, like, watching these with you and, like, hearing, like, oh, this person's from here and that person's from there. Because the crazy thing is, like, I've seen all of those things, all the films and TV movies, but I'm not really, like... You're, like, the... When they're trying to, like, investigate, where they have, like, the red fucking string, like, connecting (laughs) on the board. That's you. (laughs) Kucho and Christine
1: also came out the same year. Wow. So, yeah. And this sheriff was... Uh, this must be the same character who was Sheriff Tyrion Cujo, who does not,
0: and does not end well for him. No, it does not. Too, I mean, but then, then you have to be mad at Johnny Smith because it's like, fucking Johnny, what the hell, man? You can like help me and like not get killed. I see a crazy rabid dog in your future. Like, don't go to that house. But well, he never touched him. He never did touch him. You, oh my, I can't with you right now. He didn't touch him. My no. mind is blown. So, yeah,
1: he didn't know his future. Wow. He touched things that were involved with other things, but he didn't touch the sheriff, so he wouldn't know. Now, otherwise, he might have warned the guy.
0: <clears throat> the reason why I said this has heart, because you see a little bit of Christopher Walking, You get a little bit of character development before he goes into a coma. So, you see him at school, you know, doing the teacher thing. And then you see him, he has a relationship with one of the school teachers. And, you know, they're going back, they're going, I guess they went on a date, he's going back to the place, to her place, and she doesn't, um, she invites him in, but he doesn't want to stay, and it's like snowing, and already, you know, when the weather's bad, it's like, oh, red flag, red flag, he should have just jumped, like he said, he should have just stayed with her, because, you know, it's one of those things, like, you never know. One
1: little thing, if he'd stayed that night, he would have never been in the accident, He had never got the powers, and then all this other shit would have happened.
0: But what you did say is that on their date, they did show the date because they went on like a roller coaster. He was having like some migraines, so he was coming into his powers before the accident. The accident kind of just like, well, he was laying in a coma for five years, so yeah, it was growing while he was in a coma. (laughs) In the book, I can't remember exactly what it was, but he did something at
1: the fair... That like he was already guessing it was like a card guessing game or something i can't remember now it's been a while since i read the book It was something where he was doing amazingly well at it and everyone was like how the hell is he doing so well at this no one ever wins this game and he was just racking up at it he was in kind of the weird trance state while he was doing it and he didn't really remember doing it when he was done but he just you know he cleaned up at this game and so, yeah, and then the book also mentions that there was once when he was younger where he fell and, like, hit his head on, like, the car bumper. And he warned someone, like, oh, don't touch that. It's going to explode. And it was, like, a car battery that exploded on someone. Hmm. So he was always prone to it, but he needed something to kick it off. So he might have slowly got into it, but, you know, the uh, the accident really kicked it into high
0: gear. I have to say that we kind of forgot. And there's a lot. There's a recognizable actors in this film and um the other one is uh colleen Dewhurst. not to go all the way back but she was uh when a stranger calls she was in a ton of stuff oh yeah um she was in annie hall she was mrs hall um she she's her filmography is like very very long but She's one of those, like, character actors, like, when you oh, see it, yeah. like, oh, yeah, I, I know her, too, so I just wanted to give some props to uh, Mrs. Dewhurst, um, but, so, this is, how many times had you watched this film, and when was the last time that you saw it? Uh, it's been a few years since I've seen it, maybe, like, ten years since I've seen it, I've seen it three or four times. Did you see it when it came out on the theater? Well, no, I was 12. I mean, you could have seen it. Didn't your mom take you to go see uh, Star Wars or whatever? Yes. Okay. I'm just saying. (laughs) And that was way before.
1: There was a difference between my mom taking me to Star Wars when I was six and her taking me to the Dead Zone when I was 12, though.
0: I mean, isn't it? It's, I mean, nothing really, nothing really sexual. Oh, no, I guess there's a a scene. There's a sex scene. There, blah, blah, boom. So. Now, in the film, you see him, you know, he does certain things or whatever. And he catches the attention of Tom Skerritt um, because there is a fucking murderer. around as a serial killer. He's uh, going around town doing crazy things. This is the thing for me. <laughs> when they're trying to solve these murders, and I think this is my probably my favorite part of the film, but also the part that makes me very uncomfortable at the same time. And I feel like and I and I mean for me it feels very, um, very Cronenberg ish. When Tom Scarrot goes and takes him to the gazebo. Which they built just for that scene and is still standing to this day. It's a nice gazebo. Yeah. And and, you know, back in college, uh, I had to take like um set not the set design, but like a theater class and it was like for making sets like from scratch. And it was they were like showing you all the tools and all that. It was like literally like workshop. Um, so there yeah, they the, you become a carpenter, you know, I can't believe it's still standing. It's like I can believe it, but then I also can't believe it because usually those things aren't made to like last, you know, but so he's at the gazebo and he's he's in it. He's in the moment. And sees the guy, the killer at the gazebo, literally luring the girl, like, talk, telling the girl, like, come over because the girl knows this dude. And he turns out to be one of the sheriff's deputies. Oh, well, so, of course, they over. trust
1: you. This movie's 40 years old. Yeah. Everybody knows by now.
0: No, I mean, I was going to get to that. Oh, sorry. Yes, he's the sheriff's deputy. But you see him, he's in that moment. But he's not in the moment. Yeah,
1: he's just there in the past as an observer, just watching everything that happens.
0: But because he feels like he's present.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Because the mind's very
0: powerful. He's watching it, but when he comes back to, like, present day, he's like, I could have done something. Because that's how real it felt to him. How real, like, he could feel the cold air. He can feel, like, you know, feel probably her fear. Like, he was in that moment. You know, when she's getting mur- murdered, which happened a while ago. That was, like, earlier in the day, I think. Maybe yeah. like 10, 12 hours ago. Yeah, a while ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not, not four months ago, a while ago. So, yeah. <coughs> yeah. Um, the way that he did that scene is just very... I, I just love that scene. Because you're just... You're... The actor is interacting with Tom Skerritt. But then... And you see that it's going back and forth.
1: Yeah, he just kinda of fades back and forth between them.
0: Yeah, it's just a great scene. And it and, and it, you feel like you feel for him because he feels like he could have saved this woman and it's like, but you can't. Yeah. It already happened. And you're looking at something in the past. But it just feels so real for him. And know? that's when he's like, It was the sheriff's deputy. It was fr- it was it was your deputy, Frank. He's
1: like, Oh, that can't be hey Frank. They're like, yeah, Frank hopped in your car and drove away as soon as he started talking about seeing the killer. They're like, oh, that's not good.
0: Yeah, and then, like, what a killer does, he goes back to his house that he lives with his mom. The mom know he a killer. Yeah, Christopher Walken figures that out pretty quick when
1: the mom touches him. He's like, oh, shit, you know? You know he's doing this? Why didn't you say anything?
0: She's just like, he's my son. Yeah, she's a psycho, obviously. There's a whole fucking shootout. There's a fucking great scene. And uh, the guy's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go back home, get booty naked, get in a bathtub. Well, first I'm gonna put on a raincoat. Oh yeah, he puts a raincoat. But, but, he gets I, naked, puts on a raincoat. That's what gets, you do. A great costume, got, by the way. Gets in the bathtub, puts a pair of
1: scissors like on the uh, like where the faucet is, opened up with just like one blade sticking up really sharp. Puts his mouth over it and then leans back. You never see him, like, slam his face down onto the scissors. You never even see him after. You just see, like, a brief glimpse of him laying in the tub with blood on him. But you... That's one of those scenes that, like, you would swear you saw it. Because everyone remembers him doing that, even though he really didn't. Because it's such a creepy, like... Who the hell kills herself like that? Like, I get taking a gun, shooting yourself, stabbing yourself, but... Who decides I'm going to shove my head, wrap it onto
0: a (laughs) pair of scissors, you know? (laughs) That is not the normal way to go. Well, he wasn't a normal person, and he was into the pain. So he's like, ah. Apparently, Jesus. The raincoat, though. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He was already in the bathtub, so I guess
1: he wanted to make sure no blood got anywhere.
0: Well, this is what doesn't make any sense. So he's a clean, he's a he's a, a clean, a clean serial killer. Like, uh, I'm not going to leave blood for the forensic people to come clean after the fact. You know, or did he think his mom was going to clean up after the body and like dispose of it somewhere? Like, I don't
1: know. But did you see that house? It was not exactly. Oh yeah, the house was just like hoarder's dream. Yeah, that house was like when they're done. That's going to be on episode of Hoarders where they have to
0: clean that shit out because it was not good. It was very creepy. So, this, all these little things of him. Oh yeah, we've mentioned
1: the mom. That's when the mom puts a gun out when she (laughs) sees what the son has done. She puts a gun out and shoots Christopher Walken in the in the side, and it looks like then she gets killed by Tom Skerritt. It's like, well, that ended well for everyone.
0: Yeah, you come to find out as the movie progresses that these visions that he's having is actually killing him, and he can't you know it's just too much for him he's just he can't he can't do it um he you know other things happen and then it just leads up to you have the famous line about where he saves the kid from falling into the ice where he screams the ice is gonna break
1: at him and so the kid won't get on the ice and that's when he figures out that he can change things Mm -hmm. that if he sees it happening and he tells someone and they actually listen he can change the future. That it's not it's not set in stone. He sees there's like an area around it, like a, he calls it the dead zone, where you can kind of see, you know, that it's not set in stone. He can he can affect the future, which comes into play later, because there's a great scene in there where he goes to the kid's house that he's tutoring, and he meets uh, Martin Sheen, who's playing uh, Stilson in this, the guy running for senator. And he meets Stilson, sinister Stilson slaps a button into his hand, but he doesn't actually touch his hand. He just slaps the button into his hand and pulls it away real quick. He doesn't actually touch him. If he touched him right then, he would have known something was going on right then, but he didn't. He doesn't touch Stilson until later, so he doesn't figure out anything's going on until later on.
0: Now, not to get into the whole thing, but this is the part of the film where... And I didn't ask you this after we watched, so when he finally so there's a lot of things that happen sidewise like he is still the girlfriend at the beginning that um i said that he had obviously she didn't wait around for five years she waited for a little while but then she couldn't anymore she's married and got a two-year-old now yeah and then you know there's a lot of unresolved feelings and stuff like that so she comes back into his life and she finds out that he's alive and and she throws him one just for good old time's sake. She throws him a, a lay. Um, and you know they, she talks about her husband, but you don't really see her husband until way later when you know uh, he's tutoring at um, one he's tutoring this little boy. And um come knocking on the door are these, you know, people that are coming and like, Hey, vote for Stilson, you know, they're going out Oof. knocking at the door trying to gain support and that's when he sees in the background, Oh, um, when the guy's like, Oh yeah, my wife or whatever and it's her. So she her husband is a big supporter of this evil dude, Martin Sheen's character. And, you know, we fast forward to just Straight on to the part where finally, when he does touch, well, actually, Christopher Walken goes out of his way to go touch this dude because he's like,
1: he kind of, he's going to find the the ex-girlfriend in the park. He goes over there because he sees they're having a stillson rally and he sees her and he's going to find her. And as he's going through, he runs into Stilson, and Stilson's out there. Oh,
0: yeah, he's shaking hands and kissing babies. That's yeah, right, that's as he right. he grabs him and shakes his hand, and that's when... He sees the future, and basically... And man, he saw a good chunk of the future. Basically, this fucking psycho gets... He does get elected, and... He gets to the Senate, and then eventually president. He becomes president. And he is, you know, during this time, you know, had the... Uh, not the Cold War. Yeah, it's Cold yeah, War. the Cold War. Yeah, the Cold War. And um, yeah, he presses that nuclear button to, and literally just blows up the whole fucking universe. Basically, yeah. he starts World War Three. He starts a whole nuclear uh, war with Russia. So he sees this, and he's like, "Okay, obviously, my whole purpose is to fucking stop this dude from becoming president. Like, I have to stop him from becoming senator, and you know, domino effect. But at the same time, that happens, Stilson also sees." What Christopher Walken sees. Actually, I think you actually did tell me why th- that happens. I think he sees it because uh, Stilson
1: seems like the other people, when they get touched by it, they don't seem like they know what's going on. But for some reason, and they never really explain why, it's pretty obvious that Stilson sees what
0: he sees. Because I feel like that drives him even more because he's like, shit, I, I I end up being president. Like, so I've definitely got to go, you know, go harder on this stuff because I am going to be president someday. But that's the part where I'm just like, why does he see? Why does he see it? What, what is it that he's able to see? Because you're right. he The other people are not affected that way. They don't see. We're just going to go out on a limb and say that they don't see yeah. what they see. Because obviously the mom would have freaked the fuck out. And she would have jumped out the window. Because when that whole thing happens with him telling her about the daughters on fire, she's just like bewildered. She's like, what? What are you talking about? Like, she's, you know, at first she's not like whatever so they're definitely not seeing what he's seeing but this dude does so i i I, that connection i guess you know when i if i ever do meet uh mr king i will definitely ask him hey remember that uh book you did back in the day (laughs) uh why did stilson oh in the book i'm gonna assume maybe is that a cronenberg ad it's a cronenberg ad i don't remember that being in the book or is that a book ad i don't remember it being in the book yeah and this is King's, one of King's movies that he actually does like.
1: Yeah. <laughs> one of the ones he'll go on record to say that he likes.
0: Why is it, because you're a constant reader, so I'm going to ask you, like, constant reader questions. Why is it a lot of King's characters, if not all of them, have some kind of power? Um,
1: I think that's just a thing that, you that's know. That's just a thing? It's just a thing. Because, you know, it's easy to explain a lot of different things. Like, of course, the whole basis of Firestarter is that she has the powers. Yeah. The whole basis of this is the powers. Because most of the characters, it's either the main Carrie character. has
0: powers.
1: Yeah, it's the main character or someone adjacent to them that has all the powers that keep everything in
0: motion. It's not usually... The power friendship gets to Kiss and dairy. <laughs> yeah. Well, they kind of have powers, too. Dreamcatcher, you know catcher they got power everybody got powers the, yeah. basically almost everyone has a fucking power i don't think anyone in the mist has powers well the yeah. lady has the power of getting all the crazy religious people yeah. together so she got the power of the the word of god uh and then his one of
1: his more recent novels the institute which is the same people that were running the thing in firestarter they're recruiting kids that have powers oh so, really yeah That's his new? Not his newest one, but it was from a few years ago. Yeah, that's one called The Institute. And it's all about the same place from Firestarter Hmm. is recruiting more kids with powers to cause problems to, like, they use their abilities to kill people remotely and different things. Yeah,
0: interesting. Yeah, so I really enjoyed this film. And I give it four knives
1: okay we're going there this quick okay
0: yeah we're going we're going straight to the four knives i'm sorry did you want is there something else you wanted to expand upon the thing the ending is just man i mean obviously it has to end that way um because one what kind of a life does this guy have like the woman the only woman that he loves she belongs to another man He's never gonna be able to be with her. And someone a lot of you out there would probably be like, okay, well he could just get over and get another woman. But it's like he died with all that love inside of him. Like like he tells her, To you, it's been five years. To me, it's been like five minutes. You know, yeah, that's not yesterday. a straight quote quote. It was well, yesterday. He, he said it
1: was yesterday to me.
0: Yeah. So that's just devastating, you know? So you already know, like, oh, he's a superhero in in some regard. He's going to have a bad time. Like, he's going to have to, like, die and fall on the sword for everyone else. Well, yeah, he already knew, you know, he
1: was dying of it. And in the book, they straight up said he had, that they checked him out at the doctor. He started getting sicker. And they're like, yeah, you do have a brain tumor. And it's getting worse. And you probably won't live another six months. And that's where he was like, well, I'm definitely not going to live another six months, so I might as well, you know, make it count. And that's where he decided he had to go kill Greg Stilson.
0: You know, that's so messed up. It's like you survived that car crash. Yeah, okay, you were in a coma for five years, but you still came back. Like, it's not like you just floated up and became a ghost and never saw the scene again. Like, he came back. Then to have, like, no life. Like... yeah. I mean, it's so crazy because it's just like, oh, okay, well, he can walk. He can talk like he was able to still do those things. But he wasn't his normal self. I mean, I guess with that kind of an accident and being in a coma for five years, you're not going to be who you are, obviously. And you're not going to be a normal self, quote unquote. Yeah, you're going to be a lot changed by that. So it's just and the ending of the film. I mean, it's so it the film slowly builds It's like, I don't want to say it's a slow burn because the pacing is pretty good. I see why they turned this into a TV series. Oh, for sure. Because
1: there was a lot of... I didn't really... I watched some of the TV series and I I didn't really care for it. I thought, you know, it was okay, but it wasn't the same kind of thing as the book. But I see where they were going with it because there was a lot of possibilities of every week him investigating something new. You know, whether it's a murder, a missing person, something. I could see where they would do that. And, um... I, yeah, I the TV series didn't quite work. Anthony Michael Hall is okay in it, but he's not he couldn't quite live up to He's it not Christopher. Christopher Walken. He's not Christopher Walken. No. They needed somebody a little stronger than uh, Anthony Michael Hall for that.
0: But uh, I mean, the season did last for 5 years, so he was doing show, something yeah. good. I mean, the show, the, he was doing something good. Yeah. Uh, and
1: I can't tell you how many memes I saw from the Dead Zone when Trump was being elected. Where they had taken the uh, the photo at the end of this, where you see what happens to Stillson, and super put Trump onto it, and the like, uh, no future for Trump, and everyone was just hoping that was the way it was going to go, but it really didn't go that way, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, I never saw the show. I knew of it from just watching the Sci-Fi Channel when they would, you know, they would have obviously the commercials and stuff like that. Um, but I had never actually even seen one episode. Um, but, I, yeah, it's definitely a good format for a show. Yeah. It, it it fits. They could. I'm surprised they haven't, like, come back with it again, especially during this time frame. But I guess it's just too on the nose. They don't want to be, like, yeah. too on the nose with it. It was one of those
1: shows that got killed by the 2007 writer's strike. That's literally what ended it. Wow. It would have probably kept going. But the writer's strike happened, and I think all their... They couldn't renew contracts or anything, and it just everybody's contract ran out, and they didn't bother after it was over. You know, after that, they were like, Well, eh, it's been already, you know,
0: too long." How many knives do you give this film?
1: I'm giving it four knives as well because I've always loved
0: this movie. Yeah, it's definitely on the list of films that I don't think I'll ever watch it again. It's it's for for me. It's too emotional. Like I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't do it. It's a great film. It's a fantastic film. I'm glad that I saw it. I have no regrets. But it's very fucking sad. Yeah, it's not an uplifting one where you're going to watch it and be
1: like, wow, I feel so good after that.
0: I mean, we cover horror movies, so none of them are uplifting to Uh. some degree. But at least, you know, maybe some people survive or, you know, (laughs) whatever. It's just this one is it's realistic in a lot of ways and then obviously not realistic yeah that's you're not gonna the realism of it is the part like the whole him going into a coma losing his loved one like having to come back and deal with all of that and then man that's just a lot to handle yeah but yeah it's it's a it's a great
1: film and it's one that uh
0: I'm not sure if this
1: is, they've done a criterion version of this. I know they've done a criterion version of the Brood and Videodrome and some of the others. So it'd be nice to see them add this because I think most of Cronenberg stuff is, yeah, got criterion collections. So this one definitely needs one.
0: If you would have never told me this was a Cronenberg film, like if I didn't know, I don't think that I would have been like, oh, this is a Cronenberg film. Not because of the body horror, just, I don't know. God, he has like such a specific. This one does remind me a little bit more of The Brood, because The Brood up until the
1: end is pretty straightforward. You don't see a lot of craziness in The Brood until the very end. And this one this one was also filmed in Canada, so they have the same kind of feel style-wise. Yeah. You kind of watch them, and you're like, oh, okay, this happens in the same universe as The Brood. I can I, see that
0: happening. I, I see that. I see and that.
1: Yeah. So, like I said, it's, it's the least Cronenberg movie of all of Cronenberg stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, in a good way though. Yeah. Not like a bad way, in a good way. (laughs) But yeah, I really enjoyed watching this one and you should definitely check it out. Where can they view this film? How did Uh, we view it? It's on,
1: uh, Pluto, I believe. It's on Pluto TV right now. It was on HBO Max, but it's on Pluto right now.
0: Okay. Well, check it out and or Google it. There might be some other ways to view the film. If you want to pay for it,
1: if you don't want to pay for it, you can watch it on Pluto. There's other ways that you can watch it otherwise. Go to
0: your local video store and rent it. (laughs) Yeah, that'd be great. (laughs) I'm sure there's some states out there I mean there's obviously some states out there that still have those. So it's like those here. mom and pop ones, yeah. Not we're not we're not lucky like, like that. That'd be really cool to like go. That wasn't that the thing. Let's just go into now a whole rant where we just talk about King would appreciate that. Talk about the old mom and pop video stores. You just on a weekend. Just like man, where are we gonna go? Let's just drive by, just see, just walk around and see if anything catches us, and you know, make it a. Let's make it a Kingtober month where we just yeah. watch nothing but things. Speaking of, since this is a King october month yeah um let's discuss just very briefly this langoliers thing like about
1: the langoliers
0: ew why like no don't do that what that that was actually that is the worst made for tv movie of kings that i've ever seen i'm gonna say it's the worst fucking movie ever ever made like it is terrible okay First of all, really bad mini series whatever it's it's a tv mini series it's too many parts one it, no i hate it it's so bad <laughs> it's and i'm like really is it,
1: is it in your opinion is it worse than the bangler because you hated the bangler pretty bad too
0: Ooh, I what don't. you
1: saw of it because you passed out halfway through the bangler
0: no i didn't i saw the whole thing you did not that's the one with robert england yes no. Tell me
1: one thing that happened to the Mangler then.
0: Um, the furnace is very furnacey, and Robert England is creepy. What happened? The furnace is not furnacey? No, there's no furnace in the Mangler. Oh, I'm sorry. The Mangler, which is the machine, is very mangly. Yes, that's true. But... <laughs> which is the one with the furnace? And I feel like he's in this movie. Maybe there's some rats involved, or is it the Mangler? <laughs> there's some what involved? Rats. That is Graveyard Shift. Graveyard Shift, yes. Yeah, see, I got it all, all discombobulated.
1: Yeah, that's the Graveyard Shift from several years before. And he's not in that movie. Brad Dourif is in that movie.
0: Ooh, Brad Dourif is in the movie. So the Langoliers, you hate it? I hate it. And the guy that just did the Boogeyman film, which we have not seen, Rob Savage, he wants to do the Langoliers. And I'm like, okay, um, why? Like, I don't understand... I never read the novel, so did you read this? Or the novella, whatever it was. Yeah, it's in one of the things, like Four Past
1: Midnight. It's like um, The like, like the Library Policeman, The Secret Window, The Sun Dog, and uh, The Langoliers are all in one book. They're all like four novellas. And I think I've read all of them except The Library Policeman. And it, uh, The Langoliers book, it's going to work better as a book because there's just some things that are hard especially back when they did that movie, it was hard to visualize these things because it's a whole thing about being trapped between time and all this, and it's just going to be difficult for them to visualize some of this stuff. And it works better as a book than it's ever going to work as a movie.
0: I don't know. Uh, It's just, I agree, they just should just leave that alone. I don't even understand why they would even bother but this Rob Savage guy is, like, really into this. And let me just go back. I love me some Tom Holland, okay? I love Tom Holland, the director. And also I also love the actor, too, the young actor. But this is, like, his worst film that he ever did. Like, that that film is just really terrible. And I know it's not even that it's 90s. It's just, I mean, even as a teenager, I knew it was bad. It's just not good. I don't know how many times I have to say this because I'm just literally still trying to get over the fact of how bad it was. Like it's from 95. So however many years later, (laughs) I still haven't gotten over this, but Rob Savage, after he did the boogeyman, Stephen King, who, if you may or may not know out there in the world, he is very, you know, he's very active on the social media, on Twitter. He's just whatever. He emailed Rob Savage and was like, Hey, uh, Saw the He really enjoyed what he did with The Boogeyman. And he's like, hey, we should work together sometime. And then Rob Savage was like, yeah, I would like to remake The Langoliers. And Stephen King was, like, enthusiastic about it. And I'm just like, my jaw is dropping right now. Because I'm just like, why? Yeah. I don't know how you can make that film better. It, I don't think it's Tom Holland's fault. I just think, and no offense to Stephen King, I just think the source material, like you said, it's not enough for it to be something. It's not afraid it to be a mini
1: series. I could see this being an episode. It would work okay as an episode like of an anthology. If you said this was gonna be like a forty-five minute to an hour long episode of like a Tales from the Crypt kind of thing, I would buy it.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I it's it's I know it's you know one of King's like things of like these people are stuck in a place. They are all different. They all have to come together to survive. Some people aren't gonna make it because they're crazy. Other people are gonna band together. It's that whole. It's that whole thing because they're like stuck in this plane in the middle of like some weird dimension where like the things the Langoliers are eating up time, right? Like it's well, it's kind of like a.
1: From what I remember of the book, I read it a long time ago. Someone is just talking about the Langoliers, and they kind of that's the name they kind of assume assigned to the creatures that are oh. devouring time. Because they literally fly through like an anomaly and then they're in between time. They're like in the between two seconds or whatever. They're yeah. In yeah. between that time. That's why nothing quite works like it's supposed to. And, you know, they had the scene where, like, they open a drink and it pours slowly and that kind of stuff.
0: Who knows? Maybe with the right cast. I'm not going to say with the right director, because I'm not going to do Tom Holland bad like that. But with the right cast, with, you know, some reworking, maybe they can make it work. But I agree. But not, I would see more of an episode. But this is the thing that blows my mind. If Rob Savage wants to do it, he's trying to do it as a feature, which is uh, two hours at least. Well, it could be an hour and a half. That would, you could probably stretch
1: it to an hour and a
0: half. I guess because I guess my favorite uh, mini series. Take a guess at what my favorite Stephen King mini series is. Uh, I love the Tommyknockers. Uh I love it. I could watch that so many times. I also love The Stand. Um, but I think I've seen Tommyknockers more than I have this stand. There's just some, I don't know if it's a, what's his face with the hair? Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Smith's. Yeah. I don't know if it's Jimmy Smith, uh, that I'm like obsessed with in a weird way, or it's one of those ones where like, it's a lot tied to like nostalgia, but there's just something about it. I love the overall cast and you know, what's happening out there. It's just very intriguing to me. Yeah, the book of Tom and is even creepier. There's way more creepy stuff that happens
1: in the book, and it's very strange. There's a great scene in the book where the people that are coming to visit the town, they know something's going on, they're trying to come in and rescue someone. They bring scuba gear because they know when they get into the town and start breathing the air that weird shit happens, so they're all breathing through scuba gear so they won't breathe the air in the town that is affecting everyone else. I thought that was a great scene. They're just wearing like, the little air tanks around. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's very interesting.
0: Do you have a favorite one? uh i haven't seen it in a while but i remember liking rose red quite a bit wow that's my number two worst miniseries i did not like that one at all i have to revisit it because i saw it like when it aired and i have never seen it again so i i'd like to revisit it that's what the lady from nancy travis
1: yeah nancy travis
0: melanie linsky julian sands yeah julian sands r.i.p yeah Yeah, wow. Also rest in peace, Piper Lori. Yeah, Piper I know we just did Carrie. Yeah. And then that just happened this week, right? Yeah, Yeah, yesterday or the day before. That's wild. Yeah. Let's Um, dedicate this, uh we dedicate this episode to Piper Lori. Yeah, she did a great job in that. And all all her things. Well and all the stuff,
1: especially Carrie, man. That's one of those iconic performances that people still talk about. She was
0: a tremendous actress.
1: Yeah, a lot of his stuff gets turned into miniseries. There's one I haven't seen that I I need to watch sometime, that Desperation. It's actually the novel that he wrote twice, like two different ways. Yes. Desperation and the Regulators. Yes. One is King and one is Richard Bachman. Yes, Richard Bachman is back. Yeah, and it's the same basic story, but just the
0: characters in one are completely different than they are in the other. So, crazy thing. I came into um, some Stephen King novels, and I didn't want them anymore. I hadn't read them. They weren't mine, but they were left with me. And it was The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon mm-hmm. and that one. And I remember the book. It was the one side that covers the regulators, and then you would turn it around, and it had desperation. Um but it was, like, opposite. That's how... Oh, I had, like, some special edition one. Oh, okay, yeah. Because, like I say, the one-eyes ones I saw were all, like, separate. No, it was, like, two books oh, in okay. one. Um, And I was, like... I remember taking it to work and be like, somebody, please, like, I just left it on the table for someone to take that one and the other one. I I, I, I vaguely remember the one about the Tom Gordon one. It's a baseball one, right? Yeah, she's lost in the woods. Yeah. Romero was supposed to make that movie forever and never did. Wow. Imagine... Yeah, it was kind of an odd
1: one for Romero, because there was really no, like, gore or anything in that book. But, you know. Then again, a lot of his stuff turns out to be that way, like, uh, what was the most recent one? Uh, Not Dolores
0: Claiborne. I don't remember. The Gerald's Game. Oh, Gerald's Game. Oh, yeah, that's super creepy, though. Yeah. And, no, there's not a lot of gore, but... Her trying to get yeah, out of the one bed? Yeah, scene at the
1: end is the, the real gory Ooh,
0: part of it. That is rough. Yeah. Real, like, ugh. That's a very good, I have to say, Mike Flanagan at that, right? Yeah. <sighs> Mike Flanagan. Yeah, that's a good nice That Mike. was his dream
1: project. That was the movie he wanted to do.
0: Well, he fucking did it. And now you're done, Mike Flanagan. Take a nap for another 10 years. See you later. <laughs> Don't do nothing else. Um... <laughs> Thank you for the haunting of Hill House. Making that adaptation from Shirley Jackson. It was great. But then don't do nothing else. And you're done. Goodbye. Well, this concludes our episode. Our last episode of the month. For Kingtober. For Kingtober. Well, well, yeah, for Kingtober. So we're going to say we're not going to have another episode in the month of October. We might. We might have another episode of the month of October. You're right. We're just going to shoot out like boom, boom, boom. I was going to say Happy Halloween, but I'm going to say it anyways. Happy Halloween! Thank you so much. Stay tuned to the horror.
1: And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night.